Hey guys, welcome back to Just the Good Stuff. This is your host, Rachel Mansfield. I am a cookbook author, recipe developer, and mama to Ezra, and I am so very excited to bring you today's episode. Now, I am the first to admit that this episode is long overdue. This last month has been extremely eye-opening for so many of us, including myself. I am guilty of not doing enough to make the world a better place and being pretty ignorant towards the issue of racism in our country. I have recognized that. I have a ways to go, but this is forever something that is instilled now in my everyday thoughts, my actions, and now within my business. I apologize for not doing enough in the past and for letting the current state of our country really be the motivation for this. I think a lot of us are guilty for that, and that's something that I really recognize. And I, I apologize to anyone for if I have ever hurt them or have done anything. It's just I am doing my best to to do better, and I recognize that this is really not okay. And moving forward, I am dedicated to doing whatever I can to support the community, brands, content creators, anyone, and to be mindful of my own actions and what I say to my friends and to my family and really just to say something. Um, and that's one thing I've learned is that by having these conversations, while they may be uncomfortable, that is one of the best starting points. Today on the show, I have a new friend, the amazing Ayana Lage. Ayana is a social media consultant, blogger, and she is currently seven months pregnant. She is like the cutest pregnant person ever. Ayana was one of the first people I started following back in May um, when the Black Lives Matter really st- movement really started to take over on Instagram. And, you know, that in and of itself has just been so extremely, extremely helpful in terms of another place to start in terms of educating ourselves. And Ayana was one of the first people I started following. And since then, I look forward to her content every single day. Her IGTV videos are extremely educational and something I cannot recommend watching enough. Her videos have gone totally viral, and that is actually how I found her account in the first place. And I'll link to some of them in the show notes for you guys so you have easy access to them. I believe one of them actually has like over a million views. It's so crazy. It's been so cool to watch her really explode during this time. And I think that, you know, Ayana shares so much with us from what her thoughts are on everything gone in our country, whether or not she thinks this anti-racism movement is trendy or if it's here to stay. She shares her thoughts on Blackout Tuesday, the wellness industry, and what we can do on a daily basis to help anti-racism. She also shares in this interview her own experiences in being treated differently and so much more. When I remember when she was telling me the story of like how her first encounter of racism and what she has dealt with with her husband, I was just in awe. And you know, these are things I just never would have thought of. And to be able to have someone like Ayana on the podcast sharing her stories truly, truly just means so much to me. We also tap into her fertility journey, getting pregnant after a miscarriage. And when you hear the episode, you'll notice that we jump right into the interview. I really love having the intro this way. So you guys hear exactly how our conversations kick off. It's not very formal here on the podcast, as you guys know. And unfortunately, the end of this podcast of this episode got cut off as my phone started ringing. I got the new MacBook because my other um, laptop broke a couple weeks ago and I'm still adjusting and didn't realize that I had to put my computer on do not disturb. So sorry for this, but luckily we had just concluded with Ayana's dessert for her favorite day of eating. So we really didn't miss out 
on more than a minute or two, um, the last minute or two, luckily, for the episode. So I apologize for that. Please let me know if you do enjoy this episode. And don't forget to follow Ayana over on Instagram. I link to her page over in the show notes. Now, if you have a minute or so while listening to this episode, I would love for you to share your thoughts with us and support this podcast by leaving a rating and review of the show over on iTunes. I cannot thank you guys enough for all the support so far and helping make the Just the Good Stuff community so incredibly special. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And a huge thank you for always screenshotting the episode and sharing it with us on social media. It just really helps me to see what is resonating best with you guys. And it helps spread the love about the podcast, which is so important and so helpful. So thank you guys so, so much for that. Before we dive into today's episode, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, JoJo's. Now, I have been friendly with the JoJo's team now for years, and last last year at Expo West, I had the pleasure of meeting their amazing team. One of the employees actually came like running after my mom and I when we were walking down one of the aisles, and for those of you who don't know also what Expo West is, it's almost like a big trade show for – well, not almost, it is. It's a big trade show for – any like organic and non-GMO and like healthy food brand or product. And one of the employees from JoJo's came running after me for me to try one of his like the peanut butter bars, which is now officially my apps. It's my favorite. It is so, so good. And I learned a lot more about their brand in the last few years. And it's very important, you know, moving forward, I want you guys to really understand the brands that I'm partnering with, partnering with and why I'm partnering with them. And So in case you aren't familiar with JoJo's, they were created by a woman named JoJo who loved her chocolate and snacking on chocolate so, so much, but she wanted to find a snack that was a little bit lower in sugar after she was unfortunately diagnosed with breast cancer. She battled cancer on and off for years, and during her journey, she created some of these chocolate snack bars for us to all love and enjoy. JoJo's is made with dark chocolate and boosted with hemp protein, and it comes in four delicious flavors. They have the original, they have a Goes Hawaiian, which has coconut and macadamia nuts in it. They have a Raspberry Dream, which is my mom's personal favorite, and my favorite is obviously the Peanut Butter Delight, which is filled with palm oil-free peanut butter. Their stuff is also paleo and keto, vegan-friendly, and their chocolate bars are also friendly for paleo, keto, vegans, and the Goes Hawaiian and Raspberry Dream have less than one gram of sugar in them, which is crazy and unheard of in chocolate world. Now, you can snag their products directly on their site and get 20% off using the code RACHEL, R-A-C-H-L, and I will link to everything in the show notes to make it even easier for you guys, but but thank you so, so much to JoJo's for sponsoring this episode. And I cannot wait for everyone to try your delicious chocolate snack bars too. Your IGTV videos is actually how I found you. Yeah. Um, I feel like so many people have said that, which is so crazy because I like never expected that. No, they're amazing. And they're just like, I love the way that you articulate yourself because it's just very, just like approachable and like, Again, like this is a very new, and I, I there's so many things I want to talk to you about, but this is such like a new topic, like a new frame of mind that like I've been living in in the last couple weeks, and like I'm the first to admit how like completely ignorant and like uneducated I was, and 
to like learn from someone like you. You've been just such an amazing resource. So oh my thank, gosh. You. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank so you. Um, I'd love to start with you just introducing yourself and who you are, where you live. I don't want to spoil that you're pregnant, but like I did, um, just kind of talk. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, my name is Ayana Lage. I live in Tampa, Florida with my husband and my boy poodle mix. We think she's a mutt, so we don't really know what she is. We adopted What's her. What's her name? Luna. And she, Aww, so she's cute. a little angel, but yeah, uh, as Rachel said, I am seven months pregnant. So, um, Aww. Yeah. And then, you know, for my day job, I work as a freelance social media manager. And then I also do some freelance writing. And then I have a blog. Um, So a little bit of everything. I love that. And so how are you feeling with your pregnancy? Seven months, you're like, yeah, I feel exhausted for the most part. (laughs) Um, But I mean, it it is a really exciting time. Like we're so, so excited. Are you guys ready? Um. Like, you mean like ready for the baby? I feel like is anyone? Yeah. <laughs> no. Do you have type? Like, do you have, do you have you set up like a little nursery area? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like we've, we've done all of that. It's just kind of like, we have no idea what to expect. Um, you know, like. You won't until your baby is here. And that's like, what everyone says. So. My son came, my son Ezra, he's almost 17 months and he oh. came the day I turned eight months. So no he, way. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, oh, like he's like so small. Like he, you're going to like carry, like you'll, you'll be late, full month early. It was the, the night I was putting diapers in his drawer and like closed the drawer. And then we went to go to sleep and my water busted everywhere. No um, way. Yeah. So I always tell people like that's very, very like rare and not common, but just like have have like the, the, the necessary things around around the eight month mark. Just <laughs> okay. Good to know. Just in case. Um well I just want to thank you so much for taking the time. I I'm sure you were getting like inundated with requests and things and you know like I was saying you have so much wisdom and like just the way that you're speaking about everything it's just something that you know you have a lot that you can teach I know we should all be teaching ourselves but at the same time like you do provide a lot of amazing information and resources and I just want to thank you for taking the time to to, oh my gosh yeah to my listeners I'm so Um, stoked thank you well this has been a very interesting last couple weeks especially like within social media and our society and like how have you been feeling with like this movement and of all of a sudden you know it's everywhere on Instagram like it was not like this I've never seen something like this with any topic in in the world um so what what has that been like for you because this is something you've been talking about for for forever and all of a sudden everyone's talking about it yeah you know I mean it's been it's been both like really reassuring and validating but also I mean just being honest kind of confusing because I don't begrudge anyone who feel like I don't think that you should feel guilty for like just now realizing hey there's a huge problem in this country with systemic racism but you know like I was talking to some of my friends who are also black about we don't we I still you know have kind of theories about like what was so different about this rash of, you know, police brutality and just like racism that made people decide like 
it stopped. It has to stop now. And yeah, I honestly, I'm like, maybe it's because we were all stuck at home. <laughs> There's nothing else to do. People can get, I mean, I don't know. I still honestly don't know. Um, and it's been great to see. I think that the one thing that I, and that I can't speak for other black people, but the things that me and my friends have been talking about have been like, you really hope that this isn't just like a viral frenzy that in a month it's like, Oh, remember when like black lives matter was trendy, you know, like we, those of us who've been talking about this for years, it's like, we are really hopeful and really kind of optimistic that it isn't just like, okay, white people feel really guilty because, um, because of what's been happening for the past 400 years in this country. So they're, you know, going to spend a week or two, like really caring and then become complacent. Um, so, I mean, I think that I've had like a lot of emotions about it. And I think that for me, it's also been tied up in going viral and getting a huge audience, which like for someone who works in marketing and has a personal brand, like is usually something that would be a dream. But when you think about what it stemmed from, then it's like, you know, it feels awkward even feeling happy about it, you know? So lots of emotions. <laughs> it's definitely something to be not happy. I see where you're coming from, but it is right. something where like, it's almost, you know, some form of light that's come out of all this right. is that like, it is your time to shine and to like, really do like help make a difference because like you were, you were just saying, like for someone like me, I always, and I found moronic even saying this, I'm like, some of people I don't see people and when I look see someone of color I don't think of them as even being like of a color and I've learned that that's like the worst thing to even think or way to say because then I'm not seeing the systemic racism that was going on in our country I had no idea I've always seen people as equal like I went to right. a pretty diverse high school like I I, I lived, lived in an urban setting like that's never been something that's like even crossed my mind and to see it overtake social media I don't think that this is something that's just going to be for a couple of weeks and then fade. Like, I think that this is something that's going to be here for a while, especially with like the businesses that are all like being sh- like talked spoken about now. Like I saw you right. posted about anthropology, like talk yeah. about some form of gossip last night. Right. I called my mom like, cause we, I have an anthrop, I live in Hoboken, which is like mm-hmm. 10 minutes outside of Manhattan. And we have an anthropology and I go there all the time and I called my mom like freaking out, like, mom, we can't go there when this opens. Like we can't support them. She's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that this is disgusting. Like, could you imagine being a black woman who that was your favorite store and you just find that out? Like, that's disgusting. Right. Something like that. Like, you know, and then Bon Appetit, like the CEO or founder, whoever, like I, there's so too many things that are like coming out and opening up for this to just be something that's like said and done in, in a couple weeks. Yeah, I don't think no, that. for sure. I mean, I definitely feel like people have been emboldened to speak out. Um, you know, I even saw that like the white reporters from BuzzFeed were like tweeting their salaries um, and basically saying like, hey, like if you are a person of color, if you're not white, like use this when you're negotiating. And, you know, that's something that like, wow. yeah, I thought that was really powerful, especially because there were like black and brown reporters responding saying like, oh, I make $20,000 less than this. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think that people have just like really kind of seized this moment in a good way. And I definitely see what you're saying. Like there has been so much fault, like, like fallout from like these companies being exposed, 
that I do feel like, okay, maybe this is really a cultural shift. It's just hard because like, I don't want to get too optimistic and then yeah. be disappointed, you know? Yeah. But I think there is something to be said that this is, it's staying like this. And I also have never seen more white people supporting right. a movement like this, which is like amazing, but also some, at some point I keep being like, are you just doing this now because it's trendy or are you doing this because right. you actually care? Like, do you, have you sensed like any sense of almost like, like seeing like phoniness through people where you're like, are you just sharing this to share this? Right. Or are you actually like delivering a message here? Yeah. The funny thing is I don't like to question people's motives, but I did have an incident where and I'm like, I'm not proud of it, but I also think it was kind of funny where um, a pastor who used to work at a church that my husband and I used to attend posted for blackout Tuesday. And I literally commented and was like, you were openly racist around me and never apologized. Now, the funny thing is it's like this guy, like he's, he's probably going to see it in two months and then feel like, Oh my God. Um, because it's not like, I mean, it's like a middle-aged man. He doesn't use Instagram. Like I think yeah. before the blackout Tuesday, he hadn't posted in over a month, but I just thought like, so, and I think that even with like anthropology and, um, I can't think of any other examples right now. Oh, um, I think Bandeau was one of them. And yeah, like some of these companies like did make statements and then their employees or, you know, customers were like, actually like, here's like, here's what they really are like. So, you know, on an individual level, I try not to like, because you can go crazy trying to figure out someone's motives. Mm -hmm. Like, are they doing it because they really mean it? Whatever. So I try not to spend too much time on that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely have had some moments where I'm like, uh, I don't know how I feel about this. That's not like, I took a few days to just, cause I noticed that everyone was just resharing content to almost reshare. I'm like, I'm not going to say something. I shouldn't say something because if I don't know what I'm saying, like, I'm not just going right. to share it's kind of like your friends are all doing something. So you should do it too. And like, that's right. not my personality. I've, I've always just done my own thing and kind of went off my own path and to, just take the time to kind of figure out like, like this is my stance. This is what I can do. This is how I'm going to start learning. It's just been like the most helpful. Cause I never want someone to just assume that someone that I'm like being phony or right. fake or for just sure. sharing it. Cause like we have to, or we should be. And that's just like, not my cup of tea whatsoever. Um, sure. To go back to blackout Tuesday, what were your thoughts on, on that day? Like what were your, like seeing the black squares on social media? Like what do you think that like that got any type of message across? Like what were your thoughts on it? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that, um, if anything is like, I have like black family members and black friends who posted their own black squares and who were like completely in awe. And I have black friends and black activists that I follow on Twitter who were like, this is performative, um, delete your square, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, I think that it's important to remember that like, there's so many varying, like, like there's, I mean, there's, there are millions of black people. Like there, there are going to be different opinions, but for me personally, I think that like what I, I mean, I probably fell somewhere in the middle. Like I thought that it was like a really nice gesture. And I think that it stemmed from something really important. Like, Hey, like um, I'm silencing myself, but then like there were some like negative side effects, like, the Black Lives Matter hashtag, which I love following um, and checking because like there's usually so much useful information was literally just like thousands of black squares, um, you know? So like that is kind of like one of those things. And I thought people were super like cool about educating other people. Like, hey, just so you know, like when you're using this hashtag, 
and you and you know like literally because I saw black squares that were just like black square hashtag black lives matter um so if you're not sharing like useful information um or anything like that even though it's meant in solidarity this actually might hurt the cause because then people yeah. looking for information can't find it so I mean I think it was one of those things like I kind of feel like anytime that there's like a viral movement ever like it kind of like anytime that there's a trend of like post this or like change your profile picture to this, like it kind of like, I don't know, it rarely goes well. You know what I mean? Like it always spins yeah. out of control, but I mean, I don't think it was bad. You know, as I said, I have, um, I know people who are black who posted. I know people who are like seriously like doing amazing work who posted. I also know people like the pastor I mentioned who were like, Oh, crap, I have to post a black square. People are going to think I'm racist. So I definitely saw both of those for sure. I think that something, and this is obviously just from like a different perspective, but something that was more informative and educational from like almost like a viewer standpoint was the week of being muted in general. So like, you know, me personally, I didn't post any content for like a week, like no sponsored content, nothing. And to have my feed when I would like, you know, I mean, realistically, I scroll my feed and when I go to the bathroom, when I wake up in the morning and like when I'm like waiting for something and to like have that be all educational was, I almost felt spoiled in a way because I'm like, wow, this is like cleared out. So I don't even have to like filter through and do that. So like, that was very moving and like very, very awesome to like do something like that. I think that the blackout Tuesday was just Yeah. And I, I mean, I also think that honestly, I think that, um, one of the reasons that me and so many other, um, black creatives who I follow were able to, um, you know, and that was kind of the hashtag like amplify black voices. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we go back and forth about the Instagram algorithm, but honestly, like so many of my favorite bloggers were not posting. And I mean, I think that with, the majority of people, or, you know, with such a big group of content creators, like not creating content or only sharing educational content, then that probably helped us reach more people. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because I mean, usually like there's just so much noise on Instagram. It's like, how do you even come through it? So the fact that fewer people are posting, um, yeah, no, I mean, I definitely think that the muting and especially like people sharing educational resources, like sharing black businesses, all of that was amazing. Like I did, you know, hear some pushback because I think that like, I I do have some friends who are kind of annoyed because some of the bloggers or just like, you know, influencers that they follow, like never said anything, said they were muting and then came back like normal. So it's like- And never addressed it. Right. They were like, okay, I'm back. Like it's vacation. So it's like, did you just like think, think, oh, thank God I'm not going to have to say anything like alienating and- You know, but as I said, like, you're going to go crazy, like wondering people's motives. But in general, I did see like, I was, I thought it was really cool that so many like non-black, you know, just huge figures Mm -hmm. on Instagram did mute themselves for sure. I saw like a funny, I don't know if it was like a meme or some type of thing, like graphic. And it was like, oh, great. Like <laughs> All of you white bitches just took a vacation for a week. Right. <laughs> like, we can continue to do the work. I'm like, that couldn't be more accurate. And, I mean, I was a stress ball for an entire week being like, oh my God, like when I was like, you know, I've been posting on Instagram as a full-time job for almost for over five years. So right. to not do that for a week is vacations or everything I'm posting all the time like like you share weird. everything right yeah and I'm like wow this is so 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 strange but it definitely it definitely helps and I also think that Instagram is amplifying 
people of color still because on my like follow suggestions, it's all people of color. Right. Um, Totally. And I do think, um, not to interrupt you, but I do think that something that a lot of my followers, my new followers have said is that they didn't realize that like once you start following a more diverse group, like your explore page changes, your Mm -hmm. follow suggestions change, like the algorithm kind of adjusts to like your new preferences. So I definitely think that like, there's just so much, you know, that can, um, so much that happens, you know, when you just do something so simple for sure. It's crazy. Crazy what Instagram is like help really helping right now with everything. Um, could you walk us through kind of why, and like, I know people should be doing their own research to like learn things like this, but again, I just think you have a lot of wisdom to share. Yeah, for sure. I so many things. That. Why, like, why is it not enough to just sit here or stand here and say, I'm anti-racist, I'm not racist? Like, why is that not doing enough? Like, why is that not, by someone yeah. saying that or feeling that way, like, they're not doing anything? Well, you know, I think that's actually a really good question because I think that a lot of the white people who I know are kind of confronting the fact that they were kind of like, I'm not racist. I would never, like... I would never intentionally treat a black person differently. I would never like use a racial slur. Um, And that was just kind of like, that was the only really like thought or experience that they had with racism and anti-racism was one, not racist. Um, You know, and I think that it requires in order for like, for us to really see like lasting change, it isn't like, I actually saw really, um, a really good tweet that and said something I'm paraphrasing, but like this needs to be seen by white people as a white problem. Um, not so much like, Oh, we have empathy for black people who are dealing with this, but it's like, but when we think about it, okay, who are the people being racist? And it's like, well, like that might be your uncle or <laughs> your yeah. grandma or your close friend, you know? Like, so I think that that's kind of the thing that once you start viewing it, it's like, wow, this is a, problem that we all need to fix that we all need to call out you know because I do think the onus has been on black people especially black Americans to kind of like figure it out so you know I think that that's the thing like you know if you want your kids to grow up in a better world and if you want this to be like if we want to live in a society where like people are actually treated fairly um and justly like you, you can't just say, well, I'm not racist and then move on with your life. Like mm-hmm. you're going to have to have conversations and you're going to have to use your white privilege in ways that elevates black voices. And what is, what are things that you can do every single day to help amplify that? Like besides yeah. resharing a cool story that you found on Instagram, like I feel like there's yeah. only so much you can do off of social media. For sure. I mean, I think something that's been really enlightening this week that I found really encouraging is that I've noticed among my white friends and white followers that a lot of them are calling out like very subtle racism or, you know, and it's not intentional. Um, That's my thing. That's why I tell people, you don't have to be defensive. I'm not saying you're a terrible person. Um, We all have these biases. An example that I used in another interview was that I remember I was talking to a, um, to a friend who was talking about like Haitian um, voodoo, like religion. And I like, grew up, I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up in the Christian church and I was kind of like, oh, so like, is it like more normal religions? And then she corrected me, but it hit me. Like, I've always thought like, wow, like, okay, like Christianity, 
you know, like Judaism, Islam, whatever, normal religions. When I look at these like other practices, I'm like, those are kind of like weird to me. Um, And that's a bias that I didn't even realize I had until it came out in conversation. And she had the patience to say like, hey, you know, Christianity is no more normal than this just because it's foreign to you. Um, So I'm not saying that I'm perfect here. Like there are things that I still do then I need to be called out for. But all of that to say that um, I think that you just, that I've seen people calling it out, you know? I've seen white people calling other white people out for like very subtle things that they might be saying, well-intentioned, you know? And um, like, and I, I know that this was something that I kind of discussed in one of my videos that like, that like, I'm like never, like, I'm never like, oh my gosh, like, when, the way that I think I said it, it was like, I'm, it doesn't ruin my day if someone gives me a compliment. They don't mean to be backhanded. Um, but, you know, like one of the examples that I used was that like, I totally am fine with people saying like, wow, like you had a great way of saying that or I love the way that you presented that. But I got a lot of people who were just like, wow, like you're well-spoken. And that was like the message, like, wow, girl, you're well-spoken. And I know that it was well-intentioned. But I kind of pushed back on that and then got some, some, uh, some angry followers and said, well, I appreciate that. But also, like, question, like, why that's a surprise to you to the point that that's all that you're saying in your message um, in response to me, you know. And so, you know, I, and my thing was, even if you don't intend for something to come across a certain way, even if you're being genuine, even if you think, like, that has nothing to do with race. It's like, you have to listen to the experiences of people going back to my religion example, because I feel like it's like the most relatable thing. Like, I think that it was so important. Um, so kind of like saying like, what can you do every day? If you're all called out instead of being defensive and saying like, well, I have black friends, you know, if I'd said, well, I've met people from other religions, I wasn't trying to be rude. You're just being sensitive. Like, don't be a victim, which are all things that I've heard this week yeah. from people, listen, think about this. Like, Hey, maybe this person isn't just trying to like, you know, <laughs> just be like the word police. Like maybe they're genuinely hurt by this and there's something here that I need to pay attention to. Um, so, you know, I would say to just call people out when you see like subtle microaggressions. And then if you're called out yourself to not like have a meltdown <laughs> to just say like, okay, like, thank you. I hadn't thought about it like that. And I also think that um, continuing to diversify your newsfeed and the places you shop, like, I definitely feel like that is something that I hope that people do, like, well beyond this month. Yeah, the shop, like, the incorporating more, like, I work with a lot of brands. That's how I make a living is, like, brand partnerships, right? So last week I sat there and was going through, I have like this thing called an invoice tracker. Right. I'm like marking the brands. Like I wanted to like amplify some of the the brands that are owned owned by like black men or women. And I I didn't have one. I, I right. don't have one. And that really was like shit. Like Rachel, like that's horrible. Like that's right. not intentional. Obviously, I didn't even know. I, I a lot of the time you don't even know really the color of the person right. unless you unless you look up a picture of them. And, but I know like my favorite hair products that like I buy at the store, like is owned by a black woman. And, you know, there's these really good cookies that are, and just not within like my roster of people, but just like to be able to support those businesses and also right. just like 
look for those businesses and for like sure. actually like sought after that and also not to talk badly about any brands I work with I'm like shit you don't work with any people of color like what right. is going on with that I mean and I definitely feel like that is something that especially in the influencer sphere I'm mm-hmm. very used to just kind of like you know from afar just seeing brands like do like all white press trips and you know so I, it's like no wonder when you have these huge brands who like never work with influencers influencers of color who don't hire non-white models who have all white press trips like no wonder people only follow white influencers like they have never you know they had no way of knowing that there was another option so yeah I definitely think that like as influencers like asking brands questions about who they're working with and all of that is like super um, that's actually I recently had signed with like a management company like I've been managing my business myself for five years like I love doing it but I did sign with like, you'll see once you have a baby, it's just things totally shift. Like you like, maybe you need help. I'm like, please help. And they said that now they're vetting companies to like, make sure that they have like a diverse roster That's before amazing. I work with them, which I think is so freaking awesome because again, like I don't want to like a consumer, like from a consumer perspective, like what if the fate your favorite like snack bar or something like what if they you notice they don't work with any people of color like does that actually turn you off as like a consumer like would you not buy a product if like you notice that if like you right. see these big campaigns um, um something to think about right. yeah no for sure I mean the funny thing is for me I feel like for me a lot of the brands that I follow when they do use black models Obviously, I'm like, cool, they use a black model. But then it's funny because I'm like, wow, like white people never have that experience of thinking like, wow, it's so awesome that there's a white model because it's the norm, you know? So, I mean, I think that that's the thing. Like we just have to like think about like, okay, like especially for brands, like there are black models out there. There are black influencers. There are, you know, really talented black you know, empl- potential employees, like, like it's not, you know, I think it's always a cop out when, when brands say like, well, like, you know, it wasn't intentional. This is just like who we ended up um, working with. Cause it's kind of like, also like as a black woman working in marketing, I'm very aware of like how diverse someone's roster is. You know what I mean? So then my question is, do you have any people who are non-white on your marketing team who are scouting for influencers. Because if not, then it's like, of course you're going to have all white influencers that you select for a project because you don't have diverse voices, like even in your um, boardroom. So yeah. In the, in the wellness space in particular, there's a looking into them like, wow, like the wellness space doesn't have that many people of color, just even like within like the food, the healthy food blogging space. Like I started following a few new people like thanks to others, like sharing and amplifying the, their voices. But that's something that's like not really that in, in, in the industry, which I think like definitely has to, has to shift. Um, yeah, no, for sure. What was like your first encounter at like what age of like a racist comment towards you that you can remember? Yeah. I mean, um, so my first memory of like, and again, not like overt racism, but, you know, like, you know, the example I use is that um, I use this one of my videos when I was in kindergarten. I moved like in the middle of the school year and another little black girl had just left the school. And her name was Kiera. 
and I was a almost all white school and my friends at school decided that they like didn't like the name Ayana and had a hard time saying it. So they just called me Kiera and I was totally fine with it because I was literally five years old. But I remember when my mom found out she like raised hell, obviously, because, you know, I mean, so, I mean, that's something that it's like, because those kids had probably only met me and Kiera, they thought we were interchangeable. Yeah. Um, You know? And I mean, I think that like I was in second grade, the first time that someone asked me like, Basically, like I know that some black people have um, fake hair. Like, is your hair real? I mean, at this when I mean, you're in second grade, you're seven years old. Is your hair real? Yeah, you have no idea. Yeah, you know, are you wearing a wig? Are you? And so, I mean, I think that honestly, my first, I had these moments from a very young age of knowing that I was different than like the other kids. You know what I mean? Especially going to majority white school. So none of that is like, oh my gosh, like. You know, like, of course, I've had those moments where people have said, like, blatantly awful things to my face, but I feel like what made it harder probably growing up was just, like, these, like, subtle little reminders, like, I'm not like the others. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely think, though, that it probably stemmed just from, like, living in a very white, at the time, um, it's gotten more diverse now, but a very white neighborhood. Did you grow up in Tampa? I mean, I grew up, yes, like right outside of Tampa in the suburbs, but yeah. And did you, where did you meet your husband? We met in high school youth group. So yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. So how, how old are you? How long have you been together? Um, so we got married in January, 2016 when we were 22 and I am about to be 27. So yeah. Aww. So almost five years of marriage. We've been together for nine years. Oh my gosh, I love that. Jordan, my husband, and I have been together since I was 19. And we got oh, married. I was 20, engaged, sorry, I was 23. So not as young, but definitely on the Yeah, I know you, for sure. Younger. Um, did you, what was it like when you first started? It's Wagner? Yeah, you got it right um, on the first try. Thank you. Wow, I pronounce <laughs> everything wrong. So I'm very, very happy about that. Um, what was it like when you started dating like a white guy, like, was that your first relationship, like an interracial relationship? Like what was that experience yeah. like? So that was like my first real boyfriend. Cause you know, like in high school, how things are, but like, that was my first like serious boyfriend where it was like, okay, like, mm-hmm. like I feel like I'm in love with him, you know? Um, so, I mean, I think that um, I will say that he is from Brazil, which I think is kind of important only because Brazil has their own problems with racism and colorism. Don't get me wrong, but my friends who are black and who are dating or married to white Americans, like often have to deal with like racist in-laws and like grandma hates me and all of these things. And so I think that um, I got lucky because his family immigrated here. A lot of his family still lives in Brazil. They're used to seeing people of all different shades. Um, You know, so I mean, on that front, I'm super grateful. But yeah, I mean, I think that for me, it was, I was very naive and I kind of was kind of like, I'm not with him because he's white, you know? I mean, I was 18 years old, you know? It was like, it's not like I made a choice or he made a choice to like seek out like a white partner or a black partner. Like we literally mm-hmm. met and like hit it off in high school. But people did make judgments about like oh so you're into white guys or for him like oh so you're into black girls you know and and I mean 
I get that it's like there's a lot kind of it's very complicated because like I do have black friends who have had people tell them I mean I've been told this myself but um you know that it's been a long time but to this day I have black friends who will have guys tell them like oh I'm like not usually into black girls um you know so I mean I think that I understand especially why like black people are suspicious sometimes of black people who are dating white people because I've met people, you know, who you, it's almost like their proudest achievement is the fact that they found a white person to marry. Um, But obviously like that was never my story. And like, so it was just, it was very difficult. I think especially because we fell in love so young because I was like, I knew nothing about the world (laughs) when we started dating, you know, like this is the first guy who I really like hit it off with um, in my entire life. And it just happened to, to work. So it's been interesting. You know, I do think that like, I have noticed that sometimes I feel like I am taken more seriously if we are together and like, we are like at the doctor's office or at a store because he's a white guy. You know what I mean? Um, so that's been, it's been, I mean, no, but I'm going to say yes. I have no idea what you mean, but (laughs) yeah, no, but I, I mean, I totally, I get you, but no, I mean, so that's, there are definitely like little things that happen. Um, and then of course my favorite is that when we're at a restaurant, like regardless, separate checks always, like that's always the assumption. My favorite oh my example. Gosh. Yeah. My favorite example of this is um, we had like a diner that we were going to every Sunday after church um, a couple years ago. And our waitress, she's like, you guys come in here every week. I was like, yeah. And she was like, are you guys best friends? And I was like, well, we've been married for two years. So kind of like, but, you know, again, and kind of going back to what we were talking about, about like subtle racism, unintended racism. Like, I'm sure she was mortified and she didn't mean anything by it, but like she then learned, okay, why is it that I see a black woman with a white man and assume like that they cannot be romantically involved you know as they're wearing wedding rings and (laughs) on a date together you know so that's a very long-winded answer but it's definitely been like a very interesting nine years just seeing the different ways that people perceive us that is crazy about the waitress that she would like if I kept seeing a couple together I would just assume that they were like like I don't know a very important relationship like they're probably met like especially on a weekend nonetheless it's not like it's like a Wednesday at five thirty, like after work, work right. cocktails. Like two or people something. who come in every Sunday, pay together, and yeah, leave in the same no car. Sense. The double, right. the two checks, though. Like those are like I would never ever even like think to to do that. Like that's just oh my gosh. Um, when you were growing up, did your parents like instill in you like you know because you're black, you marry someone who's black, or were they very just like open to like whatever? You, yeah, like, no, I mean, right. my parents were never, um, they never really cared. I mean, they were very open with me, especially when I started dating Fagner, that mm-hmm. that people might, basically that my life might be a little bit more difficult. I mean, I was very much like, at that point, it was 2011. I was like, it's 2011, like, it doesn't matter, um, because I was 18, and like, I kind of thought, like, no one's going to care, Um but my favorite, well, least favorite story is that, that literally the day after our wedding, when we were like flying to California for our honeymoon, 
a stranger found us both on Facebook and messaged us to say race trader. That's all that it said, like race trader. Yeah. So, I mean, imagine getting that, like, as you're getting, like, the first day of your honeymoon, like, the day after your wedding. Um, Oh, my God. So, yeah. I mean, it's just kind of, like, little, like, stupid things. Um, But So, I think my parents did a really good job of instilling in me, like, knowing my worth and just finding someone who treated me well. Um, you know, they didn't care, um, you know, who, who that person was, but, you know, they definitely did have like a very real conversation with me. Like, Hey, like this could complicate your life. Like you might have uncomfortable interactions if you are married to a white guy or you are raising biracial children that you wouldn't have otherwise. So I really appreciated their realness. I think that's almost even just a cultural thing across the board. Like I'm, I'm Jewish. And when I was younger, like my parents never said, you have to marry someone Jewish. I mean, my mom, my dad wasn't Jewish. He converted, but like they knew that if we didn't, if I didn't marry someone Jewish, it would complicate things like holidays. Like they wouldn't, when we had kids, like who knows what would happen, but it was never something that they like instilled, like you must marry someone who's Jewish. For sure. And I think that that's probably the best way to do it because I think that because of them, being very honest and like loving Wagner and like welcoming him from day one, but also saying like, Hey, just so you guys know, I mean, this is how the world is going might view you. Um, I definitely think that it kind of helped prepare us. Yeah, for sure. Now, when you were pregnant, seven months pregnant with your baby girl. Now, when yes. I was stalking you, when I first started following, because you know when you start following someone and you scroll, yeah, like, so you go through their whole and like, yeah, I was like really far down. And then, but like, I think I don't remember how far down, but you had a miscarriage prior yeah. to this. Is that something mm-hmm. you're open? I know you spoke about it on your blog and yeah, no, Instagram, I'm totally so open about it. Um and to give you a little bit of background, like my podcast and on my blog and Instagram, I've spoken a lot about infertility and miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Like I went through infertility to get pregnant with, with my son. Um, we like couldn't conceive naturally. I've had a few other women actually come on to tell their stories with like, whether they were very intense labors or ongoing miscarriages. Um, but your story is one that I haven't like no one's ever shared something similar to this. Um, I actually have a relative who went through something similar where they, something they didn't know if something was like dipped off with the right. beat, like what was going on. Um, but I would love for you to, to like share that and really yeah. tell your story. No, because I'm those, super open about it. Oh, um, amazing. Yeah. So when I, my husband and I decided in like spring of 2019, we went on a trip to Europe, like as a last hurrah, um in March where did you go we went to Paris and London it was so fun fun. we loved it yeah and we came back and I was kind of like not on birth control like okay like we want to like like you know how everyone says it's just I mean it's not funny that you went through infertility but it's just like I know so many people who went through infertility that I was very much in the mindset of it never happens right away so we need to start like casually trying um and then we were one of the couples who I was very, I like, I just quit my job. I just gone full-time freelance. Like it wasn't like the ideal time for me to get pregnant, but like my best friend, it took her three years. And I was, so I was kind of like, okay, like we need to start trying. So that way we'll yeah. know whether or not we can get pregnant. And then literally two weeks later I was pregnant, which <laughs> like I told, <laughs> I told, I told my friends, it literally is like 
like an after school special about like safe sex because I got pregnant pretty much like the first or second time that we like had unprotected sex. Um, wow. Fertile yeah, metal. Yeah, which is crazy. <laughs> but so, yeah, I mean, my pregnancy, I was so scared of miscarriage and I was so scared of loss, but I am like very much a statistics person. So I was kind of checking the numbers, like, okay, like at what point, and you know, because you've been pregnant, it's like at one, well, what point can I kind of like exhale and like, think like, okay, like this is going to be okay. Um, never. and for me, <laughs> you <can> never. <laughs> and then they're born and you still panic. Never. No, but, um, for me, I like found statistics basically said like, when you hear a heartbeat, like you're good. Like that means like there's such a slim chance of, of anything happening. Um, you know, like you have like a 98% chance, I think once of, after hearing a heartbeat or like eight or 10 weeks. So we heard the heartbeat it was awesome. Um, we announced on social media, people were so super happy for us. I was like, okay, we don't have to hide this anymore. And then I went in for an ultrasound and they couldn't find the baby on Doppler. So they decided, and I was so scared. Um, so they, but they didn't ultrasound. The baby was there, um, looked great. We, we saw, um, the baby wiggling. And so we were super excited. Um, and my husband actually went back to work because we were like, okay, the baby's there. We're good. Um, and then at the end of the appointment, a doctor came in and very much was just kind of like, hey, this is probably nothing, but there is an area of concern that the ultrasound tech noted. Um, and he was like, don't freak out. Like, we usually don't do ultrasounds at this point because the baby's still growing. Like it could be anything. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know if I had, I mean, I'm a very anxious person. So I don't think I had a sense that something was wrong. I think that I would have freaked out anyway. But of course I spent the entire week losing my mind because they transferred me to a high risk center for an advanced ultrasound, like just for peace of mind. Um, and then when we went in. So this was literally like almost a year ago, exactly. Cause it was like right after father's day, which sucked. We went in for that advanced scan and they were kind of like, we're going to do a scan, see if there's a problem. You might meet with a genetic counselor if we find a problem. Um, so I brought my husband and my parents cause I was so nervous. And then unfortunately, you know, we were told that there was no heartbeat and that the baby had a very rare birth defect that literally no one has heard of unless they experience it called an encephalocele, um, where, and we'd done, um, we did genetic testing just because it was covered by insurance. So we yeah. know, we know that it, it was, um, a little boy, but his skull didn't fully form. Um, so his brain tissue was outside of his skull. And we later found out that, that was caused by trisomy 18, which is just like a super rare, super random chromosomal condition. So in the grand scheme of things, like Wagner and I got incredibly lucky in that we had this like random ultrasound that we were not scheduled for. And we almost had, like, I feel almost like, as I said, like I'm a religious person. I feel almost like God gave us like this week of uncertainty that made yeah. it like a little bit easier to process because if I just like known that my baby was healthy and then started naturally miscarrying at, you know, whenever that happened, I think it would have been very traumatic. Even though it was still traumatic, we definitely had a, like, we knew why it happened. Um, 
we were able to see on the ultrasound, like what they were talking about. So yeah, I mean, it, it was like literally the worst experience of my life. Um, but I really do feel like the good thing that came out of it was that I wrote about it and I was very open about it because before I had a miscarriage, like I'd had friends who had miscarriages, but I'd never known what to say. Like, I didn't know what it was like. Um, the, the crazy thing is that one of my good friends miscarried, we were both due in December, 2019, and she miscarried four weeks before I did. And being completely honest, because I was still pregnant, I'd been avoiding her because I felt like a terrible person. I'm like, she doesn't want to hear from her pregnant friend who's still getting her Christmas baby. And then literally four weeks later, I was in the same position. Um, and so I think that like, I realized through that, like, man, like it really sucks when people are almost like afraid because they don't know what to say, you know? So it's like, I want, like, I had so many people show up for me. Um, so it kind of like convinced me like, okay, like I need to tell people, Hey, if your friend has a miscarriage, like, or, you know, and, and it, it, I feel like it even goes, even though I haven't dealt with infertility, it even goes to that. Like, I'm sure that, you know, like pregnant people get like super weird and people with kids, like they don't want to offend you. They don't want to like rub it in your face, but it's like, don't be weird about it. (laughs) Like show up for your friends. If they're having trouble conceiving, if they've had a loss, um, because they're still the same person. You know what I mean? Even though they're going through this unbelievably terrible thing. And they want nothing besides just a hug and love. Right. Like when I was very open about our infertility journey and like to, but I would see, like I wasn't broad. I didn't talk about Instagram when we were going through it because I don't like to talk about my problems until I have some form of answers, if that makes sense. Just because I feel like it's like not responsible of me to talk about things when I don't know there's too many people listening and watching to like irresponsibly talk about it and I was such when you're trialing and error there's so much trial and error with infertility and to just like when when people did know all I wanted was for just a hug and you know we could still go out for lunch like you know right it's like I'm not a pariah yeah yeah and like when they were pregnant I'm like oh my god that's amazing because I never wish infertility or miscarriage, like anything on, on, right. a, on a worse me. Like you don't want anyone to, to suffer through anything, but people, everyone, ha- I'm such a firm believer that everyone has their journey. So if you right. got pregnant easily, like there's something like there's no hard starts and rainbows from the moment you were trying to conceive to that moment that like some, there's always going to be something that like right. makes you appreciate your children even more than you already do. And totally. I like totally, totally like, always always say that that there's always going to be something that's out of your control um like for me like I ate shit trying to get pregnant like I looked more pregnant trying to get pregnant than I did when I was pregnant for a while and then you know when I was pregnant though I had the easiest pregnancy knock on wood like Ezra came early but I was like on cloud nine like I could have like walked 17 miles a day I had so much energy like I was great for eight months and not everyone's like that how have you been feeling while pregnant Um, it's been, so the funny thing is, so I was pregnant for 13 weeks the last time and like, it was difficult, but it was like, I was still able to eat. I was still like mostly functional and like Mm -hmm. literally this pregnant, I literally, I mean, I'm seven months pregnant and I've only gained 12 pounds because I was so sick the first few months. Like it was like, I was on medication for it. Um, so the first few months were hell, then like right around the point where I started to feel better, COVID becomes, I mean, (laughs) it's not that it becomes a thing, but like 
yeah. COVID is in America and we don't know how it'll affect women who are pregnant and we don't know how it'll affect their fetuses. So then like we go into isolation, um, you know, in March. So it's been kind of like a, just the weirdest time. Like I feel like I started getting sick around Christmas and like life really hasn't been normal since then because like then COVID I've been isolating all of that. But overall, I mean, I feel really good. The only thing that like kind of sucks, like even with the whole going viral thing is that I'm so tired. Um, I'm sure that you remember pregnancy exhaustion well. Like mm-hmm. it's like, like I feel like myself most of the time, but when I get tired, it's like I have to drop everything that I'm doing and like go to sleep right then. Yeah. Um, so that has been, I, I definitely have like learned to adjust to not, um, not going on, like, cause I'm usually a workaholic, you know, so I've had to take time off and all of that, but yeah. it's been, it's been really fun. Yeah. We're it's a whole new excited. form of adjustment, almost having the pandemic during pregnancy, you're having a lot of time to like nest and like right. get everything ready, which is kind of nice. It's like an excuse to, to stay home and and like yeah. get ready. No, for sure. I definitely think, and my husband has, his company moved him to work from home. So that's been kind of like the cool thing. Um, and like, what I does he him, do? So he works for a software company. Um, oh, cool. So yeah, but it's been cool. Cause it's been him and I, and um, like, we've been like very carefully, like seeing our parents. Um, mm-hmm. And it's been, it's been really cool for us to spend time together to like work on the nursery and things like that. Um, I think that if life were normal, we probably would be just like going around like crazy, you know? So yeah, there definitely have been like some upsides. What is your due date? September? So my due date is September 1st, but because she's, she's been measuring big the whole time. I'm like last week of August. Um, so (laughs) you want an August baby? I mean, I just, I am kind of like, I mean, I'm totally, I I don't want to say I don't want to be like overdue because the baby comes when the baby comes, but like any of my friends who have made it to 41 weeks have been so miserable that I'm like, that's what I've heard too last week of August. But yeah, so we're about two months, which is like, I can't even say um, out loud because I'll freak out. But do you have a name picked out? Don't tell us the name. I don't ask the name. I just do have one. No. Well, we are, we had the perfect boy name, but I'm like very, I didn't like my name growing up. Um, because everyone always got it wrong. Um, so I, I'm very conflicted because like I have, I have a couple of names that I really love, but then I'm like, I don't want her to have the same name. I mean, you know, because your name is Rachel, like you meet so many Rachels, like, I'm like, I want her to have like a unique enough name that like, she'll hopefully be the only one in her class with the name, but then I don't like Ezra. Right. Mm -hmm. I love the name Ezra, by the way. Um, but I don't want her to like, have a name that everyone gets wrong and that she grows yeah. up like saying like, I wish my parents had named me something easier, which is what both me and my husband grew up saying. So all that to say that we've like picked out a few names and I'm like, we'll meet her. We'll see which one fits her. But um, yeah, I mean, I just like every time she kicks me, I'm like, Oh my God, like you were really like a tiny human being and you're going to be here in a couple of months. And I can't believe she it. She is. And life is never going to be the same in the best way ever. Yes. Um, 
Ezra's actually sleeping, like, like we live in an apartment. So Ezra's sleeping adjacent to us right now. So I do all my podcast recordings between two and 4 PM Eastern standard time during his nap. Um, yeah. <laughs> has to be, it's impossible because I mean, we, I, we have help with him obviously. Cause like, I wouldn't be able to right. do any of this without that, but like he's everywhere. Like, right. Everywhere. Oh yeah. Especially at that age. I cannot imagine. <laughs> yes. Well, I have five questions, kind of like fun fireballish questions that I ask everyone that okay, great. I'm going to going to start with. So the first one is what is the one wellnessy trend that you buy into? So like collagen or like CBD, like anything that you like, you know, people could question it, but you love it. Intermittent fasting. Um, yeah, something that my husband makes fun of me for is like that I swear that kombucha is like a life changer. And he, and he is very much like, this is disgusting. Like, he's just, he's not a fan. But like, so, and he gets, he doesn't get mad, but he's always so annoyed because kombucha is so expensive. Like, if you're buying like individual bottles at the grocery store, like, it is not cheap. Um, oh, I spend $3, 3 to $4 per day on my kombucha. Yeah, same. And my husband is very much like, okay. But what's definitely. your favorite um, flavor and brand? Uh, I like, so I feel like I am like not a loyalist. I do love ginger. Um, I'm not a brand loyalist, but I do, I will buy anything ginger. Um, okay. I yeah. had that one this morning. I had the um, GT's gingerade. I was just oh, looking for it, but it's in the kitchen. Oh man, it's so good. It's definitely one of my favorites. I love the healthy tropical one. It has me feeling like I'm like on vacation. Yeah. Um, what is one wellness trend that drives you crazy? Like a pet peeve? Uh, gosh, I would say, I don't know if this is wellness and hopefully this doesn't offend anyone, but okay. um, when people think that you can treat like literally everything with essential oils, um, that is something that I struggle with. <laughs> um, like I was, I was in a Facebook group where people were literally talking about treating cancer with essential oils. And I'm like, oh I need God. to leave right now. Um, hopefully I don't get any like angry DMs from your audience. I still love no, you no, if no. you love, I mean, we diffuse essential oils. Like I am a fan of them, but I, yeah, they're not a I miracle just, cure. Right. It's like people saying celery juice cures all their yes. issues. And I'm like, celery is healthy. We all know that. But like one of the women I had on Kelly Levesque, she always said like, we all know cel- celery is healthy, but like, it's not curing anything. Like right. it's not the miracle sure. cure. That's a funny one. I like that one. What, if you weren't um, doing like social media consulting, what would your career path be? Good question. You know, I used to work in journalism, but I didn't like it very much. Um, I think that it would be really fun. I've tried to convince my mom, like, we should start an event planning business together. I I don't even know if I'd like it, but I just, I've always loved, like, throwing a good party. So I feel like that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. And then when you were growing up, what was your, I have them all memorized now. When you were growing up, what was your go-to fast food chain and your favorite order? That is such a funny question. Um, (laughs) The hamburger happy meal from McDonald's, which I still get classic. as an adult. <laughs> that is so yes. classic. My brother only liked Burger King, so we were a Burger King home. We never had McDonald's because he didn't wow. like burger fries. That is yeah. so funny. And I just ate anything. I was like, bring me anywhere. It's fine. Um, the last question is it's your final day on earth. What are you eating from breakfast through the end of the day? Oh gosh. Um, I would probably treat it like I treat my birthday, where I'm just like eating everything. So I would start with pancakes. Plain and then, buttermilk, chocolate chip, banana. I love okay. the detail. I would say chocolate chip pancakes <laughs> for breakfast. 
Um, And then for lunch, I would definitely go for sushi. Um, And then good. I mean, usually when I eat, like if I'm having like super big meals, I can't even bring myself to eat three meals a day because I'm just so full. But um, what's like, what's my favorite dinner? Oh, we You're do not wearing go- pants. It's your last day. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we, we do go for like, um, like really good, like, like we will order pizza from chain restaurants, but like local pizza places. Totally. Like the artisanal, like fluffy. Yes. We have so that right good. across the street where we go on oh, Fridays. So good. And what's your favorite dessert? You can't forget about dessert. That's, part That's of the a very good question. I am a huge fan of key lime pie. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I mean, no one uh, said that before. Well, I feel like it's also like a very Florida dessert, so that might be why. 